0: You know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, you've been born again. We, we 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 throw that term around a lot. That's a, that's a biblical term, born again. But it, what it really means is we have been born from above. That's that's literally what the Greek means born from above through the Holy Spirit, or by the Holy Spirit through the belief in Jesus. And, and so we need to remember some things. Our physical existence right here where we are in the the little town of Morris, in in Jefferson County, in the state of Alabama, in the United States, in the northern hemisphere of this particular planet is not all there is. You realize that? This ain't it. This This is just a part of it. We were created for a lot more than what we may or may not be experiencing right now. Our natural birth, and 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 I, I know most of you realize this, but our natural birth here on this planet placed us into a kingdom that is dark. You, you realize that, don't you? We were we we became by birth uh, uh, members of a kingdom because we were born into rebellion. Do, do you realize that we are rebels by birth? You say, "Well, how did that happen?" Well, Adam and Eve rebelled. All right. We're the children of rebellion. But if you've been born again, things have changed. When Jesus came that very first time, he died for our sins. Amen? This ought to make some of you excited. He died for our sins. He was raised for our justification. We were declared holy by what he did. We were made righteous. Now, I, don't, I don't know if we think about that very often. It's not that we do things to become righteous. Jesus made us righteous. That's, a, that's, a, that's an accounting term. It's a, it's, a, it's a banking term. It means to take what's in one account and put it into the account of another. What Jesus did is he took his holiness and he deposited it on, in, and all over us. And we became righteous, not of ourselves or anything we do, but because of what he has done. And so when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He not only gave us that, he did something else. He took what was in our account and he transferred it to his. You know what was in our account? Nothing that will spend All right, (laughs) bad stuff all our sin all the things that that we've done wrong or would ever do wrong all those things that have been handed down to us that were wrong, he took that and he replaced it with his righteousness and with his holiness and so we have a checking account of righteousness that we can't write enough checks on are are y'all with me? I wish I had enough money that I could write a check for whatever I wanted, I do But it's not in my earthly bank account, it's in my heavenly bank account. I can write a check, I can sign my name where Christ would sign his name and I have access to it. And so he, he, he was raised for justification, but that's not all he did. He sent us his Holy Spirit then to guide us into sanctification. He made us holy, but he wants us to learn to walk holy. And so it's the Holy Spirit that's there to, to guide us, to, to be our leader, to take us into a place none of us have ever been. I love it when I go somewhere strange and there's somebody there that will give me an escort, that will take me around and, 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 and show me the sights and, and where to go and what to do. Because let me just tell you, I, I know this is not good for a man to do this, but i got to admit, I get lost really easy. And I won't ask for any help Usually. And I've learned I can drive around all I want, but I'm not necessarily ever going to find my way back to where I need to be. I've told you stories of that. but I, So I, I, I'm, I'm glad that the Holy Spirit lives in us and that, that he guides us. And, and Jesus does all of this so that he might reign in us and he might reign through us and he might reign over us so that we could live a productive life. And, and the productive life that, that, that he desires is, is not on our own, but it's with him. So we can be productive with him. Listen, he restored our destiny. And that destiny was to have a relationship with God. I say this a lot, and, and I, but I don't know if, if y'all really listen. Heaven's a wonderful place, all right? There's no doubt about it. And it's going to be a wonderful place. But if Jesus wasn't there, heaven wouldn't be heaven, okay? Okay? Heaven is the place where Jesus is. And wherever Jesus is, heaven's there. Does that make sense? Our goal is not to get to a place. Our goal is the presence of a person. There's a big deal. Because if Jesus is not there when I get there, it won't be heaven anymore. So our desire ought to be for the person not so much for the place. You know where that came from? It came right out of the middle ages when the plagues were ravaging this planet. You know when I die, those plagues won't be able to touch me. I'll be in heaven. I'll be with Jesus. It it was hope. But in 500, 600 years We've moved, We've 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 kind of separated it from that and made it like going to Disney World for eternity. When the reality is, it's Jesus. it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Heaven came to Earth one time, and the very people who were looking for heaven didn't recognize heaven when it was there. And so we we have to realize, you know, what we're doing when we we were born from above. We became citizens of a, of a new kingdom. We've been talking about the kingdom, and this series is called The Kingdom Culture, A Life Worth Living. And, and we've been talking about the kingdom. We talked a little bit about the kingdom. We talked a little bit about the king. Today we're going to talk about something that, that we've, we've probably heard of, but we don't really understand, and that's covenant. Because if you've got a king and you've got a kingdom, you have to have a covenant. I'm going to say this over and over. God does not relate to human beings except through covenant. Therefore, you and I can't relate to God except through covenant. So if I don't know what covenant is and I don't understand what covenant is, I don't know how to act. I don't know what to expect. I don't I don't know what's coming. When 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 plagues come, I get I get afraid. I get worried. I want to shut the house and get me some masks, and I want to hide out until it's passed. Okay? And and look, I'm not making light of that. I'm just saying I don't have to live in fear. I have a covenant with the king, and the king has a covenant with me. And I need to understand the details of that. This is what this is what uh, happens when we were born from above. We became citizens of a new kingdom. We we uh, it was a kingdom of light. It wasn't a kingdom of darkness. It was a kingdom of love. It was a kingdom of righteousness. It was a kingdom of authority and power. And what happens is we became citizens of God's kingdom. All right. Not we will become citizens of God's kingdom. Eternal life and abundant life won't begin when you die. It began the moment Jesus came to live in you. The king came and planted his flag in your soul and your spirit. That's when uh, life truly began. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says this, for God delivered us from the domain of darkness. there's, There's just All kinds of stuff there, and I don't have time to unpack it, but I will say this. That word delivered means rescued and released. So God rescued and he released us from the, from the domain of darkness, from the power, from the kingdom, from the authority of darkness. Darkness, I, don't, I no longer live in the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness no longer has any power over me. You say, yeah, but the devil. No, the devil, unless you partner with him, he has no way to affect you. Whomever you choose to partner with becomes the king in your life. And so if I don't partner with him, he can't do anything with me or through me. And so be careful who you partner with. But he says he's released us. He's rescued us from this power, this kingdom, this this authority of darkness. And he's transferred us. He's transferred us. And that's an interesting word. He's transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Now listen to this definition before you... You, you turn me off it means this this was the idea of deporting a group of people from their their new homeland or from their old homeland to create a new uh, 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 what 's the word i 'm looking for a new uh uh colony a new culture in a sense so God transferred us he deported us out of the kingdom of darkness. And he gave us permission to plant a new colony of the kingdom. We become a part of the kingdom, and therefore, wherever he puts us, I know this is spiritual, but it's also physical. Wherever he puts us, we carry this kingdom with us. Let me put it on the level of what we were talking about. We are carriers. We are infected With the kingdom of God. And he has infected us. He has made us carriers of the kingdom. So that we would create colonies. On this planet. Which is in rebellion. And that these colonies would would grow. And that at some point. This kingdom would become the kingdom of our Lord. And Savior Jesus Christ. We are here to plant new colonies. We are here to change the culture. We are here like spies would be here in a sense, to to wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness. You say, now Nelson, that's... Okay, well, just hang with me here a minute, okay? We may live in the same place, but we're no longer members of that rebellion against God. We're the sons and the daughters of God. Scripture says we're aliens, okay? Now, I know what happens when that word is spoken... People tend to think about these real skinny green people with big heads. That's not what it means, okay? It means that we are citizens and residents from another realm. Listen, when you are born again, when you are transferred out of of the kingdom of darkness and into uh, the kingdom of light, when you're translated into, that old person's gone. You're a new person. You're from a different place, a different culture, a different realm, literally. And this is not just pie in the sky. I hope you believe this. This It'll make you feel better when things are tough. This is reality. This is the reality we are supposed to live in. And when I begin to live out this reality, guess what happens around me? Hell backs up. Heaven flows in. My job is to bring the kingdom of my king to bear on the place where I'm at. You say, well, where do you get that at? Well, because that's what we're supposed to do is, as, 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 as people who are colonizing this planet in a sense. We've got some bad theology that has become mainstream in the church. We're we're literally, again, I'm going to say this, we are aliens, but we've we've been given the task of transforming the culture in this place where when our king returns, he will be at home here. He's going to bring heaven with him. Because, as I said at the first, he is heaven. Heaven's not a place. I realize it's a literal place, okay, so hear me. But what makes heaven, heaven is not Heaven, it's the King, Jesus. It's Jesus. But we've got this responsibility. We're to bring heaven to this planet bit by bit, piece by piece, moment by moment. I'm going to say this, and I know some of you cringe, but we're not here waiting for God to send a rescue squad together. We're not waiting for the heavenly SEAL Team 6 to spring us from this place, okay? There's not going to be a rescue mission. We are SEAL Team 6, okay? We've been sent here to kick the doors of hell open and pillage what's in behind the gates. That's, that's Bible. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So we've been given the responsibility to kick the hinges off of it, not camp out on the outside and and worry whether or not the doors are going to open and what's going to come pouring through it. Gates are to keep things out and to keep things that are already in, in. They're not offensive. Y'all do realize that, don't you? They're not offensive. I mean, they are offensive, but they're not offensive like they're going on offense. They're defensive. They're always defensive. So we are here, whether you realize it or not, we are occupiers. We are an invasion force. We are, uh, we are overcomers. You say, Nelson, where do you get that? Because Jesus won the victory, right? Yes. Y'all are looking at me like a calf at a new gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if y'all believe this or not. Everybody take a deep breath. I'm not mad. I'm so glad I can't hardly stand it. Because I'm on the winning team, right? I've heard this all my life. Just read the last of the book. Well, I don't have to wait to the last of the book to enjoy the victory. That's why he gave us victory, to walk in it day by day, moment by moment. I'm not defeated. I'm not beaten. I may be weary. I may be bruised. I may be scarred. But I'm on the winning side. Therefore, it's time to start enjoying the fruit of the victory and showing the fruit of the victory to everybody else. But what's happened is we've made the victory about doing things. And Jesus has already done them. And all we have to do is walk out what he has done. Listen, somebody who exercises the authority and the power of Christ to bring darkness into subjection, who kicks down the the gates of hell, who rescues those who are held under the sentence of death in the bondage of sin, they are called something in the New Testament. They are called apostolos, the sent ones. And that's literally who we are. We have been sent by the king to colonize places and turn the culture into the kingdom of heaven so that when he visits, before he returns, and I think God visits from time to time, don't y'all? He wants to be at home. He wants to come to my little community and kick back in a a reclining chair and, and go, you know what, this is just like heaven. That's why he plants us in hell. So, I don't like that. I'm ready to go. Well, then finish up what he's given you to do. And where you live, maybe maybe it is hell. Maybe what you're living in is hell. Transform it. Be a sent one. And and what will happen is it will change. We are to, and I'm going to say this over and over and over, probably for the next few weeks, we are to transform the culture of this earth into the culture of heaven. That's why we have been sent here. That's why we carry the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, because it's that good news that transforms. It transforms politics. It transforms education. It transforms the medical uh, 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 uh realm of of medicine. It transforms uh, society. It transforms everything. And we are to be cultural transformers. We are not to be uh, transformed by the culture that's out there. So we can't lock the doors and pray, Jesus, come and get me. We gotta strap on our boots and pull up our pants and put on our armor and go on out there and get in there. We are of this world. We are not of this world. We're not in this we're in this world, but we're not of this world. You remember the, what we are? We're aliens. And we're not just aliens like sci fi. We are the anointed, the blessed the gifted of God. We are the sons and the daughters of the king. Now, I'm going to get to my sermon. All right? This is part of it. But sadly, most of us are not doing that. Why? That's my question. I don't want you to answer it. I want you to answer it inside your heart, but don't do it out loud. The reason is we don't understand that there is a covenant And I'm going to explain what a covenant is. But we have a covenant. Another word for covenant would be a constitution. In our country we have a constitution. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we have a covenant with our king and he has a covenant with us. And that covenant governs everything. But most Christians don't really understand what a covenant is. We've heard about it. They had covenants in the Old Testament. They sure did. They had five. They were were built on one another. But now we're under a different covenant. It's called the the new covenant. And it will become the eternal covenant. And we'll talk about that a a little later. But we don't understand it so we don't get it. And, And covenant governs everything. But most of us don't understand what covenant is. Or most of us don't understand that God cannot or will not relate to us except through covenant, or out in, he he will not relate to us outside of covenant. The king and his kingdom operate according to the covenant of the king that he's put in practice. Covenants are like a roadmap for relationship, and they're a roadmap in our case, for relationship with God. Without a covenant, listen, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what's required. When you get married. You don't make a contract. Marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. Because in this covenant, there are certain things that that you can expect and you realize that you're responsible for. It's It's the most beautiful picture on an earthly level of what our relationship with God's like Covenant is key to understanding what God is doing and how that his kingdom operates. Our lives are determined by covenant. And, and they, are de- they are determined by our response to the covenant. So let me ask this question: What is a covenant? Let's just let's just define it a little bit. A covenant is a commitment and an agreement to walk together. I make a commitment and I agree. Now, there are two kinds of covenants in Scripture. One is where two parties come together and they hammer out what they will do and what they won't do and they make a covenant. We're not under that kind of a covenant. All right? God does not negotiate. Are y'all with me? He offers this and the reason he offers it because I have nothing to offer. I'm dead apart from God. Not just me. But everybody here, we're all dead apart from God. So we have nothing to bring to the table. I don't have anything to bargain with. I don't have any chips. I, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm. I don't have anything. And so God offers us a covenant. Trust me, obey me, and I'll take care of you. Now, I'm not the brightest bub in the package, but that's a pretty good deal. Seeing as I'm dead apart from it. And so this this covenant is far more than a contract. And a a contract is an agreement with another person that if you maintain this, I will do this. But if you stop doing this, I won't do it anymore. If you've been in business, you know what a contract is. When I was in the plumbing business, if you didn't pay me, guess what? I wouldn't be back. Yeah, but I've got a contract with you. You're supposed to warrant this house for For a year, okay? You unpaid me for what I did to begin with. I'm not coming back. See that? You can break a contract, but you can't break a covenant. Covenant is, is far more. It, if one breaks a, a, a covenant, it's a bad thing. And God makes covenant. We don't bargain with God to get a better position. God offers us the term. He's the king. And so he, he, he's, we're not in any position to bargain with. We were born dead, as I mentioned, in the kingdom of darkness. We're helpless. We're hopeless. So we have nothing to offer. Therefore, every one of us either accept it or we reject it. But God does not relate to those who reject it. You say, well, that's not right. Who determines right? God does. He is right. Righteous. And so he He, he, he gives us the, the, the decision. And by the way, his terms... Offer life, they offer joy, they offer peace, they offer help, they offer a provision, they offer hope, they offer strength, they offer uh, health and authority and power. And, And listen, I could go on and on and on, but now let's look at the other offer that's on the table. The devil makes an offer. Guess what he offers? More of the same. Who are we apart from God? Dead. D-E-A-D. Dead. How much dead is dead? If you're dead, you're dead. Right? There are no degrees. You're just dead. So if he's offering more of the same, who's offering the better deal? God is. God is. It's not just a better deal. It's, it's the only deal. I don't think y'all believe me. I really don't. This covenant that God has for us, He offers you and He offers me a clear understanding of what He expects. In other words, I don't have to wonder what God wants. He's written it down. You say, but I can't keep those 929 laws in the Old Testament. Guess what? You don't have to. Because that's not the covenant we're under. We're under a different covenant. And I can not only know what God expects, but I can also know what to expect and be assured of based on what God will do and won't do. When you when you were saved, when you were born again, you surrendered, and and you, you you didn't have a bargaining chip there. God chose to 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 make the terms, and and so you and I have nothing to to bargain with. We have, and the reason is we don't have anything God needs. This is not meant to discourage you. It's just reality. We don't we don't have anything He needs. Yet God zealously desires. That doesn't mean he needs. That means he wants. I would rather be wanted than needed. Alright? Because if I'm just needed then all you want to do is use me to get what you want. It has nothing to do with what I want. But if you desire me then it's, it's 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 totally different, and God desires us. He desires to have a relationship with us, but the relationship is governed by the covenant we're under. And listen, God doesn't just want me; He wants you, and He wants you, and He wants you, and He wants you. He wants those of you that are in the the, the fellowship hall. Uh, he wants you. He doesn't need us. I'm gonna say that again. He wants us. Let that sink in for a minute. Let that. Drop into that place that is starving to death to be filled by somebody. Listen, it's there because the only somebody who can fill it is God. There's not another man or woman or child or whatever that can fill that place. Only God can fill it. And so I mentioned earlier, this covenant idea is literally the kingdom constitution. We have a constitution in the United States, right? Okay. Which spells out what our rights are as citizens, but it also spells out what our responsibilities are. We want the rights for the most part without any responsibility. But if you don't take responsibility, you won't have the rights. You realize that, don't you? So what happens is we, we have freedom of religion. We have freedom of speech. We have freedom uh, of the press. We have the freedom to bear arms. We have the freedom to assemble. We have the freedom to, to, uh, to do a lot of other things. Those are some of the main specific ones, but, but it's more specific. But these freedoms have specific responsibilities as citizens. We are to obey the laws. Amen? Amen? We are to vote. Well, I don't like anybody's running. Doesn't matter. You have a responsibility because if you don't vote, you vote for whomever wins, and you don't have a right to gripe and complain anymore because you voted. So we have the right to vote. We have the right to, uh, or we have the responsibility to defend our nation. To stand up and and to fight those that would destroy this nation. We have the, we have the uh, responsibility to re- respect others and the freedom they have. Listen, there's a lot of people that live in this nation I don't agree with. I don't have to tolerate what they believe in, but I have to respect their their other beliefs. And there's a big difference, all right? We are to respect one another. When you respect one another, you know what? You can differ in your beliefs and live together. That's how this nation was born. That's how this nation has gotten to the place where it's at. We respected each other. We might not agree, but we respected each other. That's a part of our responsibility. We're to be informed on the issues. We're not supposed to just do this. Well, the Internet says this. It must be true. You laugh, just laugh. But that's the mindset of most people. I saw it on the internet. Did you know I can put anything on the internet? And you can too. It's called Facebook. It's called Instagram. It's called any of the social network. I can be anybody I want to be. And live in a fairy tale world and, and send it to you and, and you think I live there. Or if you know me, you know I don't. But, but listen, you've got to investigate it. You've got to dig into it. It costs to be in the know. We have to regain our ability to think for ourselves again. I'm not preaching on this nation, but you understand what I'm saying. We've got to think. I know you're not going to like this. We have a responsibility to pay taxes. Now, I believe they ought to be fair, but you know what? When it's determined that this is the way, I'm gonna pay my taxes because that's what makes this country go. I, I'm, and I don't like this one, but it's reality. Jury duty. It's a tough week when you serve on a jury but it's our responsibility. If I want to have free speech and I want to have uh, the right to bear arms and I want to have the right to assemble and go anywhere I want in this nation, then I have to be responsible by, by making the system work. Well, listen, as citizens of, of God's kingdom, we have a covenant with Him that has the same rights or similar rights and responsibilities. If I want the rights, I have to be responsible. And and in His His. His uh, covenant, there are, there are some pillars that hold up this constitution, <laughs> this, this covenant that we have. And I'm going to give you these four, and we're going to look at them real quick. But in, in, there are four primary pillars that, that, that hold up the covenant. That's, uh, that's uh, roles, rules, responsibility, and rewards. The roles reveal to us what's God's function and what my function is. In other words, I'm responsible for certain things. And God is responsible for other things. And guess what? My responsibility is never what his stuff is. And his responsibility is not what... In other words, I've got to take care of what I'm supposed to take care of. He'll take care of his stuff. He's God. I'm not. And so what happens is our function is to walk in just very simple faith and love and obedience. I'm to trust him. Faith is required of every believer. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he, God, is a rewarder of those who seek after him. So I've got to place my faith in him. I've got to trust him. In Romans 1.17 <coughs> Uh, it talks about uh, the, this gospel this gospel of good news for the for the righteousness of excuse me yes for the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith i walk in this righteousness by faith this righteousness that he's given me i walk in it by faith the righteous man the righteous woman the just that's a i think that's the old king james version the just shall live by faith those who have been justified shall live by faith jesus often speaks of both love and obedience in the the same sentence. He tells us this over and over and over. In, In John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, what are the commandments of Jesus? Well, love one another. Put your faith in God. And when I tell you to do something, just do it. Trust me. He also says it again in John uh, 15, 14. This is something you can remember. John 14, 15 and John 15, 14. He says, you're my friends if you do what I command you. So God loves and provides and protects his children. He He takes care of us. These rules that God gives us, though, they reveal something. Uh, th- these roles he gives us these rules then that reveal something they, they the rules reveal the boundaries they reveal the limitations they reveal the the penalties that God puts into place to protect us from hurting ourselves and from hurting somebody else. God does not give us rules to keep us from enjoying anything. You know what sin is. It's enjoying something that God has put a desire in you for illegitimately. It's, 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 uh, it's something that God would have given you anyway if you would just walk with him and trust him. But what happens is we go after it in the wrong way. And it's illegitimate. And what happens is we step out of bounds. And when we sin, we don't ever just hurt ourselves. We hurt somebody else. Or we hurt somebody else and in turn hurt ourselves. We may not realize it. And so God defines the boundaries. He he puts these rules in place so I know where the edge is. How many of you have ever been to Walmart? Everybody, all right. How many of you have ever seen a a little boy or a little girl, let's just say two to three years old, and they are swinging from the chandeliers, they are climbing up the racks, and Mama's just pushing the cart. Johnny, 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 she sounds like a parrot. Mary, 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 and you go to yourself, oh, gosh, I'm glad that's not my child. (laughs) You know what the child's doing? He's hunting the boundaries. He feels terrified because he doesn't know where the edge is. And the person that is supposed to provide the edge for him, who is supposed to show him or her what love is, is doing nothing. They're consumed with themselves. Discipline is a good thing. It keeps us within the boundaries. And God doesn't let us run wild. You know what happens when we run wild? We destroy ourselves, but we don't just destroy ourselves, we destroy everybody around us. And so God puts these rules in place. He puts these boundaries in place to protect us so that we know where the edge is. You know what? I can go up to the edge, and it's okay. I can look out over it. It's okay. I just can't step over it because if I step over it, I'm out of bounds. So it's okay. I can I can press the fullness of everything he's given me as long as I stay within the boundaries. And it's all right. There's 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 no penalty for that. The penalty comes when we step past it. People, I've heard people say, Well, what was the big deal about eating a piece of fruit? The boundary was eating the fruit. Wasn't anything particularly wrong with the tree it's just God said don't eat that that tree and so what happens is those rules provide defenses that keep us safe rules are necessary in a genuine relationship if you don't have rules in your relationship neither party knows where the edge is knows where the boundaries are and if you don't have any boundaries let me tell you where that relationship's headed it's going off the cliff. There are going to be casualties, and it probably just won't be you and that other person. So there have to be rules put in place. There have to be boundaries. They provide security for us. They provide safety, and they provide genuine freedom. When I am within boundaries, I don't have to worry about what I'm doing. I'm free to be everything that I am. I can do flip-flops, and I can act like bacon frying on the ground if I want to. I can dance and run and jump and have a big time because I'm not out of bounds. So we, we have to understand the, what the rules are for. One of the definitions of sin that you find in Scripture is, is stepping out of bounds. And the kingdom has specific rules in place Because it enables us to know what God expects. I don't know if you know this or or believe this, but God's not sitting in His chair just going, oh, just a little further, a little further. Because that's how many of us live. That's not God. That's a caricature the devil's drawn in our head. God wants us to be aware of the boundaries. He puts them in place. And, and without rules, listen to me, chaos and confusion reign. And God is not a God of either chaos or confusion. So, so there are rules. But there, not only are there rules, not only are there roles, there's also responsibility. If you live in a covenant, it demands res- that you're responsible. You have, to, you have to be accountable. You and I are accountable to God. And, and we're accountable to one another. Accountability provides correction. I know none of y'all ever do anything wrong, but it's constant for me. All right? I need somebody to hold me accountable. It's a good thing. Accountability is a good thing. It provides correction, but it also provides encouragement. It it lets me know when I'm doing a good job. It ensures that every citizen does what they're supposed to do. Let's just look at our nation. If just a handful of people do what they're supposed to and the rest of them do whatever they want to, guess what we got? Chaos. This is where we're at right now. There is no such thing as my truth. I hear that all the time. Let me tell you my truth. Well, that's their truth. No, there is the truth. Everything else is bull. All right. And I won't use the rest of the Latin word there, but it is. It's just, it's just... (laughs) Help me, Lord, not to say nothing I'd be ashamed of. It's just there is only God's truth, all right? There's no my truth or your truth. There's God's truth. Jesus says, I am the truth, truth. And so if, 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 we, don't, if we don't have that truth and we don't have that responsibility, then what happens is we're in trouble. Responsibility eliminates abuse. It, it it eliminates misuse. It eliminates laziness. It, it, it eliminates passing the buck and blaming somebody else. It eliminates irresponsibility. Every citizen in the kingdom of God has to assume responsibility for their actions. Listen, you're not going to get to heaven and have to answer for me. And praise God, I'm not going to have to answer for anybody else, just me. And so we have to be responsible for our actions. That means we're all accountable to God and to other citizens in the kingdom. What I do and don't do really does matter. What I do in secret really does matter. What I do in the open really does matter. If I'm 500 miles away and I do something, it really does matter and it matters to you and it matters to God. And then ultimately covenant guarantees reward. Now we love reward and if it was left up to most of us, forget the first three pillars, this is the pillar I want to stand on. The only problem is this pillar won't hold up the covenant. If it was just rewards, rewards, rewards God wouldn't be righteous and holy. He wouldn't be who He is. But the rewards are real. There are benefits for being under this covenant. There are blessings. That's, that's the Old Testament word, blessings. There are blessings and curses. If I obey the covenant, God blesses. If I, if I don't obey the covenant, guess what? I enter into the curses that have been put in place outside the boundaries. There are no curses within the boundaries. You realize that, don't you? I don't think you do. <laughs> this is good. Really, really good. I can't get into a curse as long as I stay within boundaries and so what happens is eternal life in heaven those those are two of the the major rewards that we automatically think about right we're gonna we're gonna have eternal life. We're gonna have heaven. But you know what? There's abundant life too. There, there's there's manifold and countless blessings that God gives us. There's 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 authority that He gives us. There's power and 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 spiritual power and there's peace and there's righteousness and there's eternal salvation. There's joy and I could go on and on. But those are just a few of those rewards. This is listen to what God's word says in 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 our covenant. We we don't really realize that uh, when Jesus teaches. On the Sermon on the Mount, and in fact, all throughout the Gospels, He's giving us our covenant, what we can expect, and what's required. I love these passages, and I've only picked two because uh, we're going to spend some time there. But in in Matthew chapter five, verse eight, He says, "Blessed are the poor, are the pure in heart, for they shall see God." If I keep my heart pure, I'm going to get to see God. Now that's a pretty good deal, Amen. He, he says, the first one, uh, Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor. And when he's saying the poor, he's not talking about those who have no money, but blessed are those who realize and recognize their spiritual bankruptcy, who know apart from me they don't have anything. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When I recognize who I am and, and what I am apart from God and I surrender, guess what? The kingdom of heaven becomes mine. It becomes yours. Our covenant with the king details clearly how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to act in the kingdom. And listen, without that, none of us have an excuse. I mean, if, if, if we've been born again, we don't really have an excuse for not knowing what our covenant is. Well, Nest, I've never heard about all this. How many of you have a Bible? He wrote it down. And by the way, every covenant has it written down. You remember when God etched the Ten Commandments in stone? That was their covenant. And God wrote it with His finger. Every covenant that, they made, that, that was made was written down. We don't live under those five Old Testament covenants, though we live under a new covenant. And, and we're not under the law of Moses. We're not, we, we don't have ten million rules to keep. But sadly, most believers are following the rules of a covenant that no longer is in effect or a covenant that's no longer required or best of all, a covenant that's already been fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't do away with it. He fulfilled it. He obeyed it. Nobody, not one person had ever come close and he fulfills it and what happens is when we are following another covenant we struggle in our relationship with Christ because we're doing things he no longer requires from us y'all understand what I'm saying I feel like I'm preaching to the wall back there maybe it's just me okay and, and and some of you are struggling to, to do all that stuff, and you don't even have to. Jesus did it already. You can't live a kingdom life, life un, unless you live according to the covenant that you're under, unless you're living under the king's covenant. Now, I want to share just a few truths, and I'm done this morning. I'm going to be through. But I hope this will help you grasp how amazing the the covenant that we're under, the covenant that God has given us, this covenant of of idea, I mean this idea of a covenant that the king gives us, how amazing it is. By the way, what's the the Bible divided in? It's divided in two parts, right? Old Testament, New Testament. Testament is just another word for covenant. This is the old one. This is the new one. Where do we live at? The new one. We don't live with one leg in the new one, and one or one leg in the old one, one leg in the new one. Have you ever tried to balance yourself between two balls if you were standing on them? Or two barrels? Or two chairs? You know what happens eventually? You fall, you get hurt badly. That's what happens when we try to live in two places at the same time. God says, Hey, come on over here in this place and, s- and put both of your feet down. Plant your feet here. Covenant, ju- I mean, testament just means covenant. And we live under a new one. And we find out about it in the New Testament. I love what Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 says. And Jesus was going about. In all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming, listen to what he's proclaiming, the gospel of the kingdom. He's preaching the good news of God's kingdom, the good news of the covenant. He, he's, he's laying out for the people of Israel what this covenant looks like, what they can expect, what God's going to do, what God's already done. And it's the same covenant that he, he gives to us when we come to him. He came, he came to establish this covenant by fulfilling the old one. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think I came to abolish the law and the prophets. He, Jesus didn't come to erase that and act like it didn't happen. He says, I did not come to abolish but to fulfill to feel full. That's literally what it means. And so what happens is no person has ever been able to keep God's covenant completely so Jesus does. And in doing so, he fulfills it and a new covenant goes into effect. Now you say, did Jesus make a covenant with us? Jesus did not make a covenant with us. Jesus is our covenant. In other words, he didn't write these rules down on paper He became our covenant. In the the covenant that he gives us, he's the personification of this new covenant. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 22, verse 20. He says, the cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. What in the world is he talking about? Well, biblical covenants were made up of specific elements. Every covenant, and I mentioned it a while ago, has the word written out. The, The terms of the covenant are written out. That's what the Old Testament is. It's the terms of the covenant of God, five of them they're written out so we can read them so we don't have an excuse so that so that we can't say i didn't know well guess what he wrote the new covenant out you know who jesus is the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he is the word of the covenant But not only would they they write the the words down, what would happen is is, is they would would, uh, offer a sacrifice. When the the covenant was, was, uh, was put in place, they would offer a sacrifice. Jesus was not just a sacrifice. According to Hebrews, he is the sacrifice. They would shed blood. Jesus didn't shed the blood of a goat or a sheep or a bull or a pigeon. Jesus shed whose blood? His own, so he is the blood. He is the sacrifice. He is the word. There's there's also uh, another aspect of. It. They would always do it at an altar place, and sometimes that was an altar out in in, in, the, in the wilderness, out in the outdoors. And and then it became a tabernacle, and then eventually it became a a, a temple. And, and but but Jesus didn't offer himself in a temple. He didn't offer himself on some altar. He is the altar. He is the temple. His body became that. And out of his body, what was birthed? The church. What's the church? The body of Jesus Christ. And then he gives us a token. He gives us a seal. And there was always a seal or a token, something visible. And you say, what in the world are you talking about? Abraham's covenant. Well, let me let me step back one. Noah's covenant. What was the visible sign? The rainbow. What was Abraham's visible s- token? Circumcision. So was uh, it included that as well in, in the in the mosaic. But when it comes to the to the co- I mean, to the token or the seal in the new covenant, wh- who is it? It's Jesus. It's the Spirit of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. To be uh, clear. And so what happens is he sends his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit is like a wedding ring. Scripture calls him uh, the down payment. He's the earnest money if, you, if you're buying a house. He's the wedding ring if you're getting married. And so he's done all of these things. So he didn't come to, 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 to write a covenant out, to, to make a covenant with us. He came to be our covenant. You know why? Because we can't keep the terms of the covenant. He keeps it. Our job is to have a relationship with him and to trust him and to put our faith in him. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 9, 11 and 12. But when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things to come, he entered in through the greater and the more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through His own blood. He entered the holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Our kingdom covenant, folks, is not etched in stone. Our covenant is the rock on which, listen to what Jesus says to Peter, on the rock on which I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it that's Matthew 16:18 that rock is Jesus and 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 Jesus was spoken about in the Old Testament as this rock. And in Isaiah 28, 16 says, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. And Jesus, not Jesus, but Peter echoes this in the book of Acts in Acts 4:10, when he says he, and he's talking about Jesus. He's preaching about Jesus. He says, He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders. You were you were the ones that were assembling this this. this tabernacle this this body and you missed him he says but he is the very cornerstone so I've said all this to say this to live in a kingdom culture to live a life that's worth living we have to know the king amen amen And if we're going to know the king and understand the kingdom culture in which we live, we must be intimately understand how the king relates, how he acts, what we can expect him to do and what we can expect him not to do. And the only way we can learn to relate to him is we have to understand that we are covered by his covenant. He does not act contrary to his covenant. I don't care how long you pray, I don't care how many years you pray, you won't pray in him into acting outside of the relate the covenant relationship he has. He relates to us that way. So we need to understand, we need to understand that covenant. And over the next few weeks, we're going to we're going to dig into that. We may not always call it covenant. But that's what it is. It's what does God expect of me? What, what as a citizen of the kingdom, by the way, next next time we're gonna look at citizenship and what it means. We're, gonna, we're, we're citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven. But not just citizen, we are royal citizens. That means we are the sons and the daughters of the king. Everything the Father has is ours. Why? Because everything that the Father has, He's given to to Jesus, and we are joint heirs with Jesus. Joint heirs. What does that mean? Equal heirs. And so we're going to talk about that, but we're going to learn what it means to walk in the kingdom, to live in the kingdom, to know what we can expect, to know what God expects. We're going to to try to get rid of all that religious stuff that is accumulating on us For 2,000 years. So that we can be good citizens. But most of all, so that we can transform the place that the Lord has planted us. So that when he visits, or when he returns, it looks like where he came from. Now that's contrary to a lot of theology today. Pastor, it's going to get darker and darker. Yes, it is. It is going to get darker and darker. But where you're at and where I'm at hasn't, doesn't have to be dark. Okay? So we've, we've been called to plant and to grow and to change our culture. And if I can change where I live, guess what? I can change next door. And if I can change next door, I can change my cul-de-sac. And if I change my cul-de-sac, I might change my subdivision. If I change my subdivision, oh my gosh, my community is now in danger. And if I change my little town, I can change my county. If I can change my county, I can change my state. If I change my state, I can change this nation. And praise God, if I can change this nation, we can change the world, folks. I'm not going to change the world if I don't change my house. All right? So we have to start where he's planted us. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash eagleswingchurch. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.